This episode of Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point is sponsored by Blue Bridge Games. For the games and gifts you won't find anywhere else, head to Grand Rapids, Michigan's friendliest local game store, Blue Bridge Games. Blue Bridge Games carries an extensive line of board games, card games, role-playing tabletop games, Magic the Gathering, and more. Stop into their storefront on East Fulton or shop with them online at bluebridgegames.com. You say you want to watch a drama. You say you want to watch a comedy. Well, you can watch it with your mama. Or you can watch it with your daddy. You'll even sit and watch it with your middle schooler. So you can come and talk around our water cooler. We're watching all day and all night. Couch Potatoes Unite. Whoa, whoa. Couch Potatoes Unite. Whoa. episode of the podcast entitled Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point, which is based on a blog of the same name because it's like our own little bat cave or bat family. It's on brand, that's what I'm saying. My name is Kylie and I love TV. If you feel the same, keep listening and or checking out our website, couchpotatoesunite.wordpress.com, as you're bound to find some common ground or something you like. For Couch Potatoes Unite, we're all about the wonders and unique long-form storytelling of the small screen. CPU, exclamation point, hopes you've been following releases of brand new episodes of the podcast on Wednesdays, as well as new blog entries on some Tuesdays, and as always, we have several more new episodes on the way. Because the panels and I live lives behind our podcast, the episodes are published once per week. Subscribe to the website or the podcast via iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and Amazon Music, basically wherever you get your podcasts, to stay on top of brand new episodes. Episodes already published discuss a variety of shows around the water cooler, including, but not limited to, Stranger Things, iZombie, The Good Place, Game of Thrones, American Horror Story, Grace and Frankie, Mr. Robot, Charmed, and Riverdale. Plus, new episodes are in the works, including revisits for Altered Carbon, Doctor Who, Schitt's Creek, Westworld, Fuller House, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Will and Grace, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., The Hundred, The Crown, Supernatural, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the MASH Retrospective Series panel will reminisce about Seasons 4 through 7, the Outlander panel will get caught up on Season 2, and the Star Trek 50 Plus series will talk Season 5 of The Next Generation, We'll be launching new panels covering the Breaking Bad universe, This Is Us, The Orville, Big Little Lies, The Good Doctor, Call the Midwife, The Animaniacs, Killing Eve, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And because we look back at shows now past, we'll consider the moral implications and quick cancellation of Dollhouse. We'll travel through time and experience all sorts of identities with Quantum Leap. We'll thank the Golden Girls for being friends. We'll cry bazinga for Big Bang Theory. And we'll dive deep into the fantasy world of the magicians. By the way, did you know that CPU also from time to time goes live? We've been live from bunkers, comedy shows, comic-cons, and game stores. Plus, we're planning more live appearances and other cool stuff, including in these semi-quarantine times. So make sure you like or follow us at our Facebook page, our Twitter at CPU Podcast, our Instagram at Couch Potatoes Unite, or subscribe to our website, our YouTube channel, our Apple iTunes channel, our Stitcher Radio channel, or find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. Plus, brand new for 2021, you can subscribe to us via Patreon. In an effort to get fancier, to upgrade some of our stuff, to build some capacity, Couch Potatoes Unite is on Patreon to provide the opportunity to subscribe for perks, including member-exclusive email and Discord access, bonus content, TV-themed merch, and the ability to join CPU for occasional watch parties, and in so doing, possibly to place priority requests for shows that we cover. If any of this sounds like fun to you, head on over to Patreon or download the app and search for our name. 
name. Couch Potatoes Unite. Don't forget the exclamation point. In the meantime, if you don't hear your show in this podcast format, fellow panelists and I still write reviews and we always seek new panelists. So if you have any interest in joining the discussion, say hello by finding us at any of those outlets I've mentioned. At the very least, stop by and leave us a thumbs up, comment, or review. We like feedback, but just keep your batterings and Wonderland gangs to yourself. Let's keep this feedback civil. Today, we're around the water cooler and continuing another of CPU's podcast series. This series does not have a fixed number of episodes like other series we do. Rather, it is ongoing and covers a number of shows that fall under one large umbrella, expanding into a quite popular universe of comic book adaptations. With that said, today's episode is episode 28 of our DCTU series, in which our DCTU expert panel discusses the DC television universe, i.e. television programs adapted from DC comic book properties that have morphed and expanded into one television universe. In this 28th episode of our DCTU podcast series, we talk the inaugural season, season one, of Batwoman, newly added to the Arrowverse, aka the CW-verse, in the 2019-2020 TV season. Season one aired from October 6, 2019 to May 17, 2020, with a total of 20 episodes, all on the CW. By way of plot summary, Batwoman is an American superhero television series developed by Caroline Dries. It is based on the DC Comics character Batwoman and shares continuity with other television series in the Arrowverse. In the series, three years after billionaire philanthropist Bruce Wayne and his vigilante alter ego Batman disappeared, his cousin Kate Kane, played by Ruby Rose, sets out to overcome her demons and become a symbol of hope by protecting the streets of Gotham City as Batwoman. By way of history for this series, though, in May 2018, it was announced that the character of Batwoman would appear in Elseworlds, the Arrowverse series 2018 crossover, with an announcement two months later that a series centered on the character was in development from Dries. In January 2019, the series received a pilot order from the CW and was picked up in May 2019. In October 2019, a full season of 22 episodes was ordered, but production on the first season ended early due to the COVID-19 pandemic, leaving the first season with only 20 episodes. Though the next event occurred after the season finale aired, in May 2020, Ruby Rose announced she would be leaving the series ahead of its second season. It was mutually decided between Rose, the studio, and the network for her to leave. The producers reaffirmed their commitment to the series in finding a new actress of the LGBTQ community to lead future seasons. No reason was given at the time for Rose's departure, but Rose later called being the lead of a series taxing and stated her back surgery following an onset accident in 2019 was a contributing factor in deciding to leave, saying it was, quote, time for me to take a break to fully heal and then return to acting. The following month, a casting notice for a new character named Ryan Wilder was revealed, indicating the series was looking to replace the character of Kate Kane as Batwoman. Dries defended the decision to introduce a new character as Batwoman, asserting that the series would continue to respect everything that Ruby put into the Kate Kane character. She also revealed Kane would not be killed and her disappearance would be a key storyline during season two. Thereafter, in early July 2020, Javisha Leslie, a bisexual black woman, was cast as Ryan Wilder, the new Batwoman. At the time of our recording, Batwoman's second season has premiered, 
featuring the new Batwoman. Our panel will further reflect on this recasting tonight, and when we review the second season following its finale, we will not discuss the success of the season premiere with a new character just as yet. Today, in the 28th episode of our DCTU series, then, our DCTU panel, namely Kyle, Hillary Spencer, Kristen, and Nick, returns to focus specifically upon season one of Batwoman. As always, it should be noted that all of our panelists have watched all episodes of the first season of Batwoman and will without doubt discuss sensitive plot points from this and other past seasons of this TV multiverse. So for those of you who are not caught up on Batwoman or really any of the DCTU to date, listen at your own risk as there may be major spoilers. Welcome back, panel! How are you? Hey! Hey! hey what's up? Are you ready to discuss this show called Batwoman and all of its many things? Yes, of course. Yeah, let's get into it. We'll be talking about it. <laughs> well, there's a various level of excitement and engagement. So, of course, what I'm going to have to do is do the thing that we do with new shows, actually. I'm going to ask our DCTU panel to remind you who they are. Of course, 28 episodes in, you probably would know this. But what they're going to do is talk about what made them start watching Batwoman. I will rephrase this question. Were you forced to, like you felt you had to? Or did you want to, like, okay, you were interested, DCTU panel or not? Then I'm going to ask you to rate your interest in Batwoman along the standard CPU character question, which changes with each show we do. And the character question for Batwoman Season 1 goes like this. Do you love this show and can't help but look up to Batwoman and the ideas behind her as they are tantamount to a new spin on an old classic? She's a strong woman, a badass, who provides hope and who gets you more interested in the heroes and villains on the show, as well as around you. She's like everyone's crime-fighting sister. You so wish you could be her, related to her, or at least a part of her team, like Mary Hamilton. Do you really enjoy this show in most respects, but admit that your feelings are complicated by the fact that there is no great comic book or source development pertaining to Batwoman, and that you wish you saw more of Gotham's traditional Batman villains or creative new villains, as opposed to the crap you're seeing, although you do appreciate the complexity of the dynamic between Kate and Alice most, and wonder if it will or can be effectively resolved, like Kate Kane, aka Batwoman. Do you like this show because you particularly like the main character, either for sexy reasons or because she's like the symbol of hope in a city and or franchise that needed a little rejuvenation and fresh blood, even if it meant some growing pains and awkward or lackluster beats in its freshman season, like Sophie Moore? Do you like this show's lighter side, when it can take moments to laugh at itself and not be so serious? You also like some of the connections to the Bat properties and want to know about other characters that are not currently on the show such as the whereabouts of Bruce Wayne and what really happened to Lucius Fox. But sometimes the character choices and what you're watching just don't make sense and or cause you to react with appalled confusion, like Luke Fox. You don't love everything about this show, you like the action decently enough, and the story surrounding the Kane family is probably the most compelling reason to watch it, but you'd be happy to do away with Batwoman altogether because you don't believe in vigilantes, only true superheroes, like the Crows, like Jacob Kane. Do you dislike this show because you feel like it causes you pain and or repeatedly wrongs you and or interferes with your quest or quests for vengeance too much for your liking, and you'd rather rely on quoting Alice in Wonderland than watch the show, no matter how much you can't let go of your affection for Kate or Batwoman, like Beth Kane, a.k.a. Alice, 
or you had to stop watching the show due to all of the CW soap opera antics within the storyline and attributed to the characters. I mean, there's even murder by poison. Or you stopped watching because, spoiler, you died after being poisoned, like Catherine Hamilton Kane. Who would like to start? I can go first for a change. All right. This is Spencer. Hi, Spencer. I, hello. Hello. And I'm the token Brit on the panel. Yes, of course. You're the token Brit on the panel. <laughs> we don't need and a token. I would say that I fall towards Jacob Kane, and we'll get into the, the nitty gritty of all of that as, as we go through. There's some promise in the show, but there's also a lot of disastrous things going on in this show. And so that's where I fall. Now, did you start watching it because you were forced to or because you kind of wanted to had some interest well, in it? I kind of wanted to. I mean, the Bat universe in general has always been my favorite. So I was hoping to get a flavor of that, which is why I watched the first episode. Almost didn't make it to the sep second episode, but because of the panel, I continued to watch it. And yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that as we get in. All right. Welcome back, Spencer. Thank you. I think I can go next. Are you sure? No. Okay. I'm Nick. Hi, Nick. I started watching the show out of some just interest in what they were going to do with the character. I don't know if I would have watched it as soon as I did if it wasn't for the panel. So there's a little bit of had to, but there was some curiosity. Also, there's also had to for the podcast, but had to because I was watching the other CW shows. And if you're going to throw this character around in crossovers and such, seems like you have to watch it. I think I would put myself in the Luke Fox. There's some skeptical things. There's some just taking season one as on its own. There's some hope that the show might be good but if you take into account the character switch which obviously the we'll talk about that makes it really that really taints my look at season one so i'll, I'll try to keep that <laughs> separate all right welcome back nick it's kyle hi kyle i am the moderator's brother-in-law and my lovely wife hillary will be talking next lovely disclaimer so i would say the first two episodes i was jacob kane i was watching it for the action and i was curious about the family drama and how they're going to weave that in then i got to the third episode about tommy elliott and then i became Beth yes. Kane, because pain. this show caused me physical pain. I just can't even imagine getting a comic book character more wrong, which I'm going to get into once we actually go more into the details. But anyway, physical pain, one of my all-time favorite comic book characters. Ugh. Anyway, yes, Kyle hard to watch. Passions if you've listened the to show lost me three episodes in, <laughs> and it couldn't come back from that. Apart from the... So, before you started the show, did you feel forced to watch it, or did you have some interest in it? Well, like I said, like like Jacob Kane, like, I was interested in it for the action. I knew they had higher production values on this show out of all the Arrowverse shows, so I was kind of intrigued as to how it would look and feel. I knew they were putting a lot of work into it. So, yeah, that's what I... I, I thought it would be like the earlier seasons of Arrow, where the fight scenes were amazing and it looked better. But, yeah, it completely lost me by the third episode. All right, welcome back, Kyle, my brother-in-law. Reiteration, awkward reiteration. All right, I am the lovely wife that he just talked about. Hey, I'm Hillary. Hi, lovely wife, he just talked about Hillary. Hi. So I'm going to say that I am also, oh, I guess I'll just say that I did have some slight interest in watching the show at first. I'm kind of going to piggyback off of what Spencer said because 
the whole bat verse is very important in my life. But with it being Batwoman, I also didn't have a whole lot of high hopes because I kind of knew what I was getting into of all the characters in the Bat family. She's, there's not a whole lot. She's kind of newish. There's not a whole lot to go off there. But I had some curiosity on how it was going to go, which is also kind of what Nick said too. But then, yeah, I mean, of course I was going to have to watch it because of this and all of this and we talk about this. <laughs> In terms of the, I'm going to say that I am also mostly Jacob Kane. I don't think there's a ton of compelling reasons to watch the show. I still, I mean, I guess the family storyline is the most compelling reason, but still there are there are things about that that... Won't I, even matter after this season. Oh, okay, honey. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah. Yeah, I think... But I also am going to throw in a little bit of Kate Kane's description just because of the part where there's not a lot of great comic book source development really going on there and there really could be so much more that they're doing with villains in there that is simply not not all of not all the happier parts of the kate kane description but like all that the negatives yeah a little bit just because again there's so much more that they could do with it and we'll get into the reasons why, of course, but I just think that when you have that many episodes, I don't care that it's been cut a couple episodes shorter. They've had plenty of time to do a sensical, well-rounded story, and unfortunately, it's becoming a running theme in these CW shows that that is just not a thing that happens much anymore. So I think I'm going to stick with those two descriptions. Okay. Welcome back, Hillary. Hi, I'm Kristen. Hi, Kristen. Hello. So I, like everybody else, you know, I started watching this show partially because of interest and partially because I was required to, to stay a part of this podcast. I really, you know, I became intrigued when they first introduced Kate Kane in the previous year's crossover where she interacts with, you know, our normal lovable superheroes. And I really liked what they did with the character. So I'm like, okay, I can get behind this show, but yeah, it'll, it'll, this'll be good. A really good conversation we're about to have. So because of that, along the character question, I'm, oh, this is a really hard one because I did not like the show when it first started. It took me about halfway through it to actually start to like it when things really started moving. So knowing that I'm probably going to choose Luke. I like him as a character number one, but I also, I like the show's lighter side, but there are also some things that just make me react with appalled confusion. And I'm also going to go with Beth, a.k.a. Alice, as well, because I really did not like the show when it first started. It took me, like I said, quite a while to get into it. So it was never high on my watch list. And for that, I will be Luke and Alice for this one. All right. Welcome back, Kristen. Thanks. And, of course, my name is Kylie. I both moderate and participate on our long-running and lovable DCTU series panel. I watch Batwoman because I made everybody else watch it, so that's how I look at this panel. <laughs> I would say, I think I would say that I'm Luke Fox. I kind of wrote that description with myself in mind. Also, I do enjoy that character. I think everybody's kind of hit on the feelings that I've, that I've had. This, this one's a roller coaster. It starts off pretty poorly, and I was not into it at first. And when they developed the Alice part of the storyline with Kate Kane, that's really what kept me watching and interested. And I thought, okay, there's potential here. And then 
I did not finish the season by the time Ruby Rose announced her departure, and so by the time I was done with the first season, I was like, well, so much for that. <laughs> so I had other feelings at the end, and they were not positive. I'm going to average it out to Luke, to Luke because there are, there are parts that I like, and I do enjoy the lighter side. I don't love all of the characters. We'll talk about that in a second, but some of them grew on me after a minute. So it, it's, it's got a lot of problems. But we're going to talk about what those are, and, and if we think the show can successfully surmount this main character recast will be the second topic. So before we get too far down, it's now because it's a first look at a show, we have to do the star rating scale. So if the character question is not meaningful to you, longtime listener, we always like to do the star rating scale, or the star business, as Hillary calls it. What I'm going to ask the panel to do is go quote-unquote, around the water cooler and rate the show overall. You can rate it at whatever point you feel is is applicable in your watch of the first season, but this is how this goes. Is it five stars? Holy smokes, this is the greatest superhero vigilante action show of all time. It's just the most surprising Batman-related thing, although it's not Batman that you've ever seen. You love it, five stars. Is it four stars? It certainly seems intriguing. You're going to keep watching, but you see possible pitfalls in the premise. Is it three stars? You're going to give it one more try when season two comes around. There are things you like, things you don't. You're going to see which things are allowed to flourish. Is it two stars? You only watched part of it, or you watched it begrudgingly because chances are you're mainly bored, but there's some intrigue or fascination that holds it together no matter how unlikely, and you just can't convince yourself what you like or if you even care. Finally, is it one star? Pass on this one, guys. It's a snoozer. It's not funny. It's not interesting. It's not your cup of tea. There are far too many options, superhero or otherwise, on TV to enjoy. Apart from Batwoman, this one is one star. Who would like to start the stars? Oh, I'll don't all jump in at once. I will go first. I'll I'll jump in. Okay. I would say for me, two and a half based based on your descriptions is how I'm going to rank it. I would like to give it a little bit less just because I know of the character switch and I don't see how the show is going to be able to keep that intrigue that I really was starting to like at the end of season one with the family and the Alice storyline that is all meaningless now without Kate as the lead. So eh, two and a half and we'll see what happens next season, but I'm not optimistic. I'll go next because that's basically exactly what I'm thinking. Two and a half because of everything Kristen just said. I'm going to say two. I'm going to say a solid two, but I still want to steal a little bit from the one-star rating, saying that there is still so much at this point, because all things nerdy and comic booky are so, they've become so popular and mainstream, that there is way too, I mean, there are so many better options out there, so they better pull some crap together, because otherwise, yeah, it's, it's probably not going to work out. And really, you know, like, comic book fans are kind of harshy judgy in that stuff. And it's going to be hard to, with me and Kyle included. So it will be hard to keep the interest there going forward. But I'm going to stick with a solid two for right now. And as my wife said, comic book fans are harsh and judgy. So in that regard, I'm giving it one star. Because <laughs> not since Jared Leto Joker or Batman and Robin Bane has a Batman villain been so disrespected and unwatchable. Oh my god. Like, it's so offensive to comic book fans. Ugh, it's, it, it. I mean, it is really true. If you're going to have these shows, and I think we've already touched on this before, 
but like for real, and we'll get into this more. You're you're obviously gearing towards an audience. You you might want to try actually gearing it towards that audience. It's just a, just a thought, but. I mean, the show has, like, two actual Batman villains, and it messes up both of them, and then it completely misunderstands everything about the coolest one that they think they're introducing, which we'll get into, and believe me, I'm going to have a rant about it, but yeah, you one star. You kind of already did. <laughs> we believe you. <laughs> we should, you should make, hasn't that already been a hashtag before, like, Kyle's Hashtag rant. Kyle's rant. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. We'll do it. We'll do it later just for you, Kyle. Spencer, what was your star rating? <laughs> All right. So Hillary gave it a solid number two. I think of it more as a runny number two. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, it, it, <laughs> He's making it a poo reference. <laughs> after the first episode, I was like, this is the worst comic book adaptation I have ever seen. It actually got better. If, it, if I hadn't had to continue watching after the first episode i probably wouldn't i found it cartoonish childlike and none of that in a good way so i really didn't like it after the first episode it did get better but as kyle said it had named batman villains but in name only and that really trashed the whole thing overall and then of course with ruby rose quitting and basically condemning this thing to the garbage heap probably after season two like for real going off your cartoon analogy like watch batman the animated series it is a cartoon and yet put together in like a so much better way okay hold on yeah. i still have to get my star right okay. <laughs> but i feel there will be much talk so I will now add my star rating, which is also a two and a half stars. What? Lower than Black Lightning? Well, see, the reason is because I didn't know anything about Black Lightning, so I was hopeful and thought of potential. This one I actually know stuff about. <laughs> so <laughs> when I sat down to watch it, and I just thought everything was clunky from the get-go, how she discovers the bat cave and the bat suit and Bruce's identity, how she decides to take on that mantle just because her cousin did, I guess. How, you know, we're introduced to, I mean, Hush is a problem and Kyle will rant about it, but really all of the criminals have major, pro all the villains that they bring into the show have major problems, and I'm not talking about in terms of their psychotic problems, but their story continuity problems, whether it comes from the Batman universe, comic source, other sources, doesn't matter, or just in terms of telling their story, I feel like we're walking a little bit back into a Gotham problem, and we keep using Gotham as a comparator, but that really was the problem. It, are you getting the essence of things? I, I liked the Kate and Alice dynamic. I truly believe that that is the only thing that sold me in the end, and that's why it gets a half star. But in terms of two and a half being, there are things between things I like and things I don't. There are far more things I don't like than things I like. And I'm less bored than mainly bored, but I'm still kind of bored half the time. So that's where I would land is two and a half stars. So this is starting out good. Okay. Let's talk about Batwoman. I don't. Know. I would just like to pause for reference that you actually gave a fractional star. I do sometimes. Usually it's in the three, three and a half place because I don't like to get too positive unless I really love it. 
But this one, I felt like there's just no way around two and a half. It's it's you meant to say two and one third stars. No, because I don't want to hate my own fractions. I average these on our little rich texts. There's an average. Remember to revise mine to one point eight nine. That's no. I'm just going by your two. Your running two is fine. We will keep that right. No, you only get one. So let's talk about Batwoman season one. We've hinted. We foreshadowed. We have things. I want to give a minute before Kyle launches straight in. <laughs> what is it that... Let's start with... I'll use my arrow tactics. What, if anything, did you like about this show? I actually did like her costume design. I'll say that. The production design. The Batcave is awesome. The city looks amazing. It looks way better than any of the other Vancouver cities used in the Arrowverse. <laughs> they actually, this one actually did some live action in Chicago for this one. Yeah, yeah they, this one, they this one feels it. real, and it feels like, continuity-wise, with other ways Gotham has been depicted, it, it feels like Gotham. So I, I applaud them on that. But, yeah, anything with any of the characters is bad. But production design is amazing. It's top-notch. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd say top-notch, but it's better than some of the other crap. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I thought that, stylistically, the show was successful in the way the, the characters looked. The costuming was very good. The, the backdrops felt very Gotham-like. That's about where the good stops. I agree. Yeah, I'm going to also agree with that. I love the production design. I love the overall visual aesthetic of the show. For me, I didn't know that they had shot some stuff in Chicago before I looked it up, but it was mostly to confirm the fact that when they made some jump cuts around the city, oh, that's clearly Chicago. Okay, that's not Chicago. Some of it, it took me out a second because it was so recognizably Chicago that I had a hard time getting into that disbelief where, oh, okay, this is Gotham, it's just an amalgamation, but that'd be the only nitpicky thing about the production is that some of the shots were too obvious. It is crazy that, I don't know, the the Chris Nolan movies, it's hard to tell that that's Chicago as somebody who was born and raised there, but, I mean, it, I was nostalgic. It was nice to see some of those buildings. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't do a too good of a job hiding it, but I also love the idea that Chicago just is Gotham, so that's fine. You uh, love that idea? Gotham, man, is rough. Chicago, I agree. Crime stats out of Chicago for 2020? <laughs> yeah, it, I think it works. I mean, the plot yeah, you're probably right. Back. What? Never mind. Don't offend the Chicago listeners. <laughs> but Nick is that? born and raised Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the mob has a rich history there and corrupt politicians. I think it fits. It knows its history. <laughs> yep. I see. The production values, good. Anything yeah, else you like? This, this conversation is like when you see a friend's bad play. The lighting was good. That's <laughs> true. I got lighting last. You got lighting last time. <laughs> <laughs> That's from friends. <laughs> or my favorite. I shouldn't say that. I'm not going to say it <laughs> because then my code will be broken. I don't use lighting because that's obvious, but the thing I do say is probably not much better. I'm not going to say it, though. So Batwoman, well, yes. Mine. <laughs> my, mine, mine is always, oh, it looks like you were really enjoying yourself. <laughs> that's not, that is legit. That's good. That's not too far different from what I say. It's it's. <laughs> did you have fun? It looks like you were having fun. You were sure having a good time, weren't you? <laughs> right. Okay. Is that when you say when the audience isn't having a good time? It looks like you are having a good time. Yeah. Okay. 
I mean, yeah, okay, anyway, we'll have to think about this just in case. <laughs> okay, so production <laughs> values. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The production values were very good. The costume design was good. The action sequences were pretty good. They, they have a pretty good, I mean, I think she did some of them, but even if she didn't, she has a good stunt double who does a pretty good job. So they, it looks dangerous for whatever might have happened to her. So that, that's true. I see I'm not going to get much farther, so let's talk about what you don't... Yes? Grasshopper I got more Kristen. that I like. I like <laughs> the evolution of Mary's character. I agree. I agree with that. She's actually... I did not like Mary at first. I could not no, stand her. Not I thought, like her. oh my god, why did they cast? What is the purpose? But then actually she... She had hidden depths that kept getting better and improving and evolving over the course of the, the season. Mm -hmm. She probably had the best character evolution, actually. I think so, yeah. So that would be the other thing that I like. I like Mary's arc. I will say that the acting improved as the season went on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that first, that, that first episode, the acting was so bad. The chemistry between the characters was non-existent. And I really thought, I didn't think it was going to make it through the whole first season before it got canceled. But it, it did improve on the acting level. Luke is, was probably one of the high spots. Yes. But, I mean, I'm searching for good things to say at this point. Yeah. I would still say the acting was very soap opera-like to me. Also but massively it, it improved as the season went on. It was also massively inconsistent. One of the characters that I don't like, now, now I admit I'm not in the target maybe for the relationship at the center of the show or the love triangle of the show but i just thought sophie was super wooden like she was I, annoying she was a drag every time she was on the this i just I thought in her i i cannot get into her i have no sympathy for her they they ham-fisted corked in her coming out with her mom which might have been okay, except they hadn't done any development for her up until the point. She was And it's already been done on other CW shows, so it's just getting repetitive. Like, other DC shows, it's getting repetitive. And she might have been more interesting if they'd actually brought in Julia Pennyworth earlier, because I thought Julia was kind of sassy and made her at least marginally more interesting as, as long as they were in the same scene together. <laughs> but that didn't happen until the back half of the season, so by that time I just could, I couldn't care less about Sophie and did not see what Kate saw in her by no. the end. And, and here's my problem with the DC Universe and them doing that. These relationships in real life exist in a very natural and loving, wonderful way. Yeah. And in every single DCTU show I have seen, it is forced, it is completely lacking in chemistry. They seem to fail every single time that they push it. And I don't know why it fails so badly on the television when it. we all know many people that have these relationships that are full of chemistry and wonderful, and it just never seems to play out in these DC shows. Well, for this one, I think they were actually going for, they were trying for the representational cast. That's why they got Batwoman. She is a lesbian in the comics. Yeah. But to even get to the point of, like, having a relationship outside of your superhero vigilante crime-fighting persona is something, I'll back up what Hillary says, they've done it on every single area Arrowverse show. When they do it here, when they start Kate on the road to Batwoman, she's not even remotely with Sophie. Like, Sophie is a distant memory. She kind of screwed her over outside of military school. So here, yes, you're right. It was very, very forced. Like, that didn't even seem natural that, oh, you came back into my life and 
yeah, you were really cool back then, but now you're working for my dad, who, by the way, kicked me out of that thing, the crows, and so I'm going to do the whole thing with Beth. It just, that whole thing was just totally, like... Well, like I said, I mean, our going into it, we already know about, like, Kate Kane. Like, we already know that that's, you know, that she's representative of that and is it's more it's to add more of the diversity and that's fine but like again generationally I mean I'm just gonna say it this way a lot of it's probably more likely that younger generations are probably going to tune into this show and you don't need to ham fist that stuff to them they're already growing up in this environment they're already exposed to this relationships the LGBTQ plus is that's not a big deal to us like it's not like we're we're fine with it so I guess, I mean, it's good that they're trying to represent other people, but they, again, they're not doing it in a way that's actually, like Spencer's saying, it's not actually serving the overall purpose that they're trying to force anyway, so why even do it? You already have her there. It starts off with her relationships. She already has another romantic interest within the first couple episodes. You, you don't need to keep trying to force crap. It's just, it's silly. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I would have preferred almost seeing anybody but Sophie in a potential romantic relationship with Kate. I, you know, I liked when she was at the bartender that she Exactly. Was That's what I was going to point out, too. You know, I think they had great chemistry. I would have been fine with her getting together with Julia because I love Julia Pennyworth. I liked their chemistry back and forth, and she's just brought some real life to that character. I would have been fine seeing Kate have a flavor of, of the week or a flavor of multiple weeks, like short arcs. You know, I don't think the storyline with Sophie added anything besides some good background in the flashbacks, then I could have just been done. They could have just That's been a, It's just a plot device. Yeah, like, like she was saying, like her interaction with that bartender felt real. Like yeah. she met a cute girl at this event and she asked her out on a date and it just felt so much more real world instead of trying to cram this huge whole dramatic soap opery backstory. Yeah, and they're like, oh, it's not working. You know, she's like, oh, there's parts about me I can't tell you like all that's that's no, that's normal that's what and then Reagan happening happening to be Magpie's sister that was interesting like there there are lots of different ways they could have played around with that in terms of the short arcs or the flavors of the week or whatever but yes totally agreed Sophie every time she was on the screen and I'm sure she's a very nice lady but I was just very very like oh my gosh why is she back and that was one third of the show to one half of the show. If it if not for Sophie, I think the show would have been at least twenty percent better. <laughs> so, not accounting for its other you know issues, but that was my rant. So I said rant. Shall we do hashtag Kyle's rant? Go. I mean, this is the third episode, and that's about the point we're at now. So in the third episode, we get Tommy Elliot, my one of my all-time favorite. Batman villains, who is a relatively new villain and has gotten as much exposure in the spinoffs, but in the comic books he's huge. He's brilliant. He is literally like an evil version of Batman. He has the physical prowess, but more importantly he's a genius. And he bases his entire persona off Thomas Wayne. So he's a brilliant surgeon that everyone loves. He's a philanthropist. Everyone in Gotham looks up to him. They see him as the person who stepped in to pick up the, the Wayne's mantle when bruce became an irresponsible playboy so everybody loves him and they don't know that he's secretly a sociopath that absolutely hates bruce wayne in every way possible and the show made him into a very whiny real estate agent 
who's essentially starts off like blackmailing with a gun and just like this petty criminal. And in the comics, he's this mastermind behind so much for years of Bruce's life. And as smart as Batman is, he never sees it until he Hush chooses to step out and reveal himself. Like he's behind so much in Batman's life. He's this, he out, he outthinks the Riddler. He tricks the Riddler. He beats the Joker nearly to death. I mean, Hush is an amazing comic book character. And First, you have the horrible real estate agent whiny version of him. And then throughout the season, you get weak henchman Hush, where he's just playing second fiddle to Alice, which comic book Hush would never do. And then he uses this thick latex mask for his bandages and this tiny coat, so he looks like a bobblehead in every scene he's in. <laughs> he completely loses all air of menace. And it's like, I feel like they were really proud of the the way they made him look because they really hyped it up in press and stuff but when you actually see him on set moving around with this huge bobble-headed mask it's just so ridiculous uh, it's just so frustrating especially because like on doom patrol there's another character that wears bandages but he's so well done and he looks more like hush than hush does in this but yeah once they got that character wrong i guarantee you every single comic book fan because every batman fan that reads the comics loves hush he's He's like the Venom of the DC universe. Like, he's a newer character, but everybody absolutely loves good, him. That's a really good equivalent. And <laughs> to, to get Hush wrong in his first real, like, really big debut is, like, the biggest mistake they ever could have made. Two people who are really, again, you have a target audience. So, they're going to have feelings. And if you're going to hype this character, like they did, it clearly was for the people who knew that it existed. <laughs> And when you hype a character, the character needs to have strength and, and needs to have a purpose beyond being a henchman. It, it just, it, it was very frustrating. Yeah, they're just trying to hype based off of name alone. They think if they put in some sort of, you know, even if it's a weak, oh, it's really hard for me not to swear. Even though it's a really weak, <laughs> a really weak reference, they think that that's going to be enough to make people happy. And it, it's not. Again, the, the content that's available in the genre now is like off the charts. And everybody's trying to get a piece of that action because it's so big. So you can't keep playing these games, essentially. I, no one's saying it has to be a perfect adaptation. I don't think it does need to. I'm willing to suspend some disbelief. We are talking about comic book characters anyway, but dear Lord. If you're going to partner Alice <laughs> with a big Batman villain, who, who sometimes is a henchman, why would you not just use Mad Hatter? You're it like, makes no sense. You're like yelling, yo. I'm sorry. The more I think about it, the angrier I get. I just, I love that character so much. Would you and want, I, do you want one of my white claws? And, <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about a masculine. Here's the thing. This is the second time we've been burned because the writers on Gotham kept saying that they were going to introduce Hush. Well, they kept saying, oh, next season, Tommy Elliott's going to show up. Because they messed up so many of the villains, too. And so, like, I kept waiting on Gotham for Hush, and we never got him. So then there's even more build-up, thinking that, okay, DC's finally going to do Hush. And then to get him so wrong on literally every single level, you could get a character wrong. So I just wanted to say that I, it's all writing, because when they said that Gabriel Mann was going to play Tommy Elliot, he was on Revenge. He played Nolan. He was a great character. He basically played the genius mastermind behind all of the revenge stuff on that mm -hmm. show. So I thought, oh, that's a really good choice. But in, in terms of how it was executed, it's completely entirely script writing. 
There, there really is no way around it. It's, it's script writing. They for want of a better phrase, the writers shit the bed with it. Pretty much, pretty much. And <laughs> was it a solid or run? Never. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. Someone loves the poop metaphor. <laughs> I mean, I let, I roll with it. I just let it roll. I, oh, you could keep going off of that one, too. I know. Oh, yeah. I forgot what the yeah. second thing was that I had my finger on because the white claw disrupted it. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm thinking of is white claw. <laughs> well, I'll agree with Kyle that Hush is more comedic with his look. Like, we did say the production value was good, but I don't know if they run out of money or something. <laughs> well... Because his head looks huge. I just want an old special effects guy like created that and was like looked in a mirror and was like, yeah, I'm proud that that's going to be on TV. Well, and then Batwoman herself, I mean, really, you know, off the off an artist page, you know, in real life, her whole getup could look really silly. But I actually thought they did a really good job of <laughs> doing... I just don't understand the red hair because in the comics, the character has long red hair. So it makes sense to have that. But the red wig they chose for her, I can't take seriously. She went to Disney World and bought it. I think it was to make her more feminine was the writing choice in the story. Because before she was not wearing any hair, she was just wearing a more fitting, more tailored version of Bruce. Yeah, she was wearing, she was basically wearing like a copy Batman cowl at first. And, and so she was trying to like... Everybody thought she was Batman, so she Yeah, she was hair. trying to set herself apart and make herself still look... I'm just saying, they could have, I think they well could have made it look better. I don't like the color. The color looks bad. I'm it just saying, look. as far as the CW goes, that's like... Sorry, CW, you're stupid. The <laughs> other thing, I, I remember the other thing. You mentioned, why wouldn't they just use the Mad Hatter with respect to Alice and the Wonderland gang? And I'm with yeah. you there. I thought that more than once. The only... I came around on it only because of how they set up Alice's character and her backstory with Alice in Wonderland being basically her only friend other than the the young tortured boy who would later become Mouse. So, but I it did make me wonder how they could even remotely sort of resolve that continuity flaw because she was basically quoting the text and occasionally rhyming herself, which is kind of how Mad Hatter operates most of the time. So. I and mean, that's pretty much all they did was, I mean, that's pretty much his backstory, too, is, like, he just, he had no friends except for books, and then his obsession with that book, when his, when his mind snaps, he, he, he can't pull himself out of it. But I just feel like you could have paired him with her, like, they could have been, like, kindred spirits finding each other or something, mm -hmm. you know, Alice to his Mad Hatter, and it would have worked and still been a lesser-known Batman villain that they could have did, that they could have fleshed him out and gave him this, you know, Wonderland gang. It would have made so much more sense storytelling-wise. The other thing I kept wondering about, so in the Elseworlds crossover, when Kara and... Oliver and Barry all encounter Kate in Gotham City, in the Elseworlds Gotham City. She's already been Batwoman and been doing the thing, and we even get this protracted fight in Arkham Asylum, and you get to see, you know, the different cells with the, the major villains, not the Joker, but pretty much everybody else, as part of the Easter eggs that you see. But we start this series and this season as she's becoming the hero when we're already we've already assumed she is the hero as of Elseworlds. Then Crisis on Infinite Earths happens. We get the collapse 
And by the end of the season, she's met Kara, apparently, for the second time. So the timing on this has not been established. established. I know this is unsurprising to some of you, but it is one of my major criticisms. Like, where, what is this, what are we doing here with her character and how she fits in the overall Earth Prime or not? Like, I just don't understand where this is all fitting together. I don't think they do either, if I'm being honest with you. They just kind of, like I said, they just kind of throw some stuff together and they're like, oh, this is good, you know? I, I don't think that there's really, I think we're giving them too much credit. I don't think that they're really putting that full rounded thought process into it. Like, other, I mean, they really don't. Like, if, other if you look, if you're going back to the crossover on screen world. If you're going back to the crossover, like, one of the villains they fight is Mr. Freeze's wife as a villain, which one, if his wife is alive, then there is no Mr. Freeze. Like, like, it, ugh, sorry. It, it, it all goes with my hush rant about getting villains wrong it's and completely just so that misunderstanding. They, again, it's just so that they can make a reference, but they don't... And even, have it be a girl version of that villain. Yes, but they don't even know themselves what they're doing. <laughs> they kind of rectified all of that within the, the pilot episode, if... They really wanted to tell this is her becoming the hero. It could have been done through like quick flashbacks, like four months ago, six months ago, and then it could have shown a quick blip of like the Elseworlds crossover, and then boom, we're in present day. Like that's all they needed to do to retcon the crossover with their story arc for the whole series. Well, yeah, because I like Kylie said it when she was talking about like I still like just the fact that she just decides, oh, I'm just gonna be Batwoman. Like, what? Bruce? What? Bruce is Batman? Oh. Okay. Well, I'm going to be Batwoman. Like, that's basically the first episode. It's really ridiculous. There's no... The character development that's happening is just... It's not there. It's ridiculous. I actually think the character development is worse on this show than it is on Black Lightning. At least with Black Lightning, you have some forward trajectory of the characters. Here, there almost is none. It's like, it drops you in, it expects you to suspend disbelief on their very shallow choices. I mean, one of the most compelling reasons that people gravitate toward Batman and Batman his character arc is all because it starts with the trauma the trauma of his parents being murdered she does not have that trauma and even if she wanted to somehow take on and make it a, I mean she's kind of taking Batgirl's story but misappropriating it a little bit and it even seems even worse because at least Barbara grew up in the shadow of her father's job and his interactions with Batman and this doesn't, she, Kate Kane is completely so removed that she doesn't even really see Batman. And she's blaming Batman for possibly losing her mom and her sister in the car accident because he shows up to save them, but he can't yep. do it. So it's like, I don't, I don't understand. This seems like. What's already is stupid. Right. <laughs> even if you just take that part out of it and don't assume it's all stupid. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the it's the jump forward in the story. Like, how do you get in your brain from I'm blaming Batman, I find out my cousin is Batman, to I want to be just like Batman. I they did not fulfill that right thought process. <laughs> so this leads to one of my biggest problems with this show is that these characters both Alice and Batwoman consistently make ridiculously poor choices. Yes! 
the way through and they don't learn from them. It, it blows my mind that they're both still alive by the end of season. <laughs> Which, again, basically is saying that there is no character development then. They're just spinning and then we're being forced to watch it like we're... Again, I don't know, not sure what audience they are trying to actually write this show for. Maybe it is just younger people that they don't think are able to catch on to it. Or maybe, I don't know. I don't know. But it, it, it just, it's a cycle. One of the choices is when she kills Mouse's dad, August. Yeah. That's a, that's a dramatic departure. I mean, probably every Bat character grapples with that idea, but she grappled with it, with it really quick and yeah. actually executed it. So then it was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, she wrestles with the guilt of it, not for very long, but it just seems to undercut what exactly are you doing with this character? Or what exactly are you doing with your choices to be this vigilante? It doesn't make any sense. I just had a really hard time just yet at all getting connected to Kate Kane in general. I, th I thought her more intriguing again when we first saw her on the other shows. And that's the problem. If you're, if you, if you need people to get invested, even if the stories are weaker, you still need people to at the very least get some sort of investment happening with the characters. I feel at least that's what drives a lot of watching things for me. It's just that attachment to characters and if, if that's not happening for me, then I just ultimately, I still watch it because we're talking about it, but I ultimately don't care. So what was the other villain that you, I mean, I know Hush was a deeply in your brain. But... In the comics, she's a very popular Teen Titans villain called the Joker's Daughter. They used her as a really crappy one-off villain where she's cutting off influencers' faces. Dula Dent. In the comics, she's Joker's daughter. She is Harvey Dent's daughter. But she has, much like him, split personality. She's schizophrenic, and her split personality thinks she's the daughter of the Joker and is always looking for her father's approval. And she's actually a fun villain, and she's a good good counteract. She's, she's very similar to Harley Quinn mixed with Two-Face. She's, she's like if you took Batman's two biggest villains and combined them into this really crazy girl. And she has a huge history in the comics. I mean, she's been around since, like, the 70s. There's so many stories you could pull from for her, and she actually would be a good foil for Batwoman if you want her to face off against another female villain. But you get none of this. You get just the name Dula Dent for a one-off villain. And it, it blows my mind when you have so many other villains that don't exist in the comics, like Mouse and Alice. And to use a comic book character and just use their name... And then have her have her face completely cut off by the end of it and like you're never going to use her again. It, it's baffling. It's literally baffling. I mean, that would be like if Arrow had done that with Deathstroke and used him as one episode villain. Like, you can't... You're, it's a lot of wasted opportunity. That's the short version. Especially, like, if you're dealing in this world of Batman, to have somebody who is... I think in the show they said they, he's Harvey Dent's niece or something... But it's like, if you're going to have this world where Batman's been around for a while, it makes you, it would make sense to have Harvey Dent's crazy daughter around. Why wouldn't you Why wouldn't you use that? I feel like this feels longer, like Batman's been away longer than the three years that they're saying. Well, especially since like we know he was already Batman when her mom went, on, went over the bridge when she was, I don't know the age, but she was a smaller child. And he was already Batman and well-known at that point. She was like 12 or 13, so it's a good, you know, 15 years before. Yeah, I don't remember how they referred to Dula Dent, and it's not in the notes, but that makes me sad, what you're telling me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, Hush was already kind of sad, but that makes me sad. 
too, because, yeah. Well, so see, that's what different. we're saying. When you're seeing these things and you're watching it in real time from a, this different perspective already where you're already knowing of these really weak references out there, it just, it makes these kinds of things, when you're already a fan of the genre, it makes it really hard to watch because there is all this missed opportunity and they're not even, they're just not making an effort. They're just throwing that stuff in. And maybe there's some rules again from the studio for that. I have no idea, but like Warner Brothers, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, and, and just like in terms of this world, it doesn't make any sense that there's no Robins around to help. That's what I kept thinking. Where are all the Robins? Where are the yeah, Robins? There are four, four Robins. You're going to yes. say that they all left Gotham three years say, earlier, too? If Batwoman is there, where the frick is the rest of the like Bat Batgirl? The Bat family is well established by the time Batwoman's around. That was my number one question. Okay, Batman's disappeared, but where the hell is Robin, a.k.a. Nightwing, a.k.a. whomever? Right. <laughs> so. Don't get me wrong. I mean, pros not enough Robins. the real reason probably, obviously, is that they're using all three Robins on Teen Titans, but those shows are doing them very well. But if you're going to have the sandbox and you're going to insist on playing in Gotham, you have to address the fact that these characters that are exist, out there. they exist, at least. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're in Gotham, and we didn't really even get any Joker, Penguin, Riddler. Any of the established Batman villains apparently have all gone on vacation. Well, maybe yeah. they really don't like Chicago. Bruce Wayne's missing. Dick Grayson should be heir to his fortune and his company. He should be there running Wayne Enterprises. That's my number yeah. one question. Number one question. Yeah, they don't even, even if they're not, they can still reference it. That's what I'm saying. Instead, they're making these other weak references that aren't even right. It's just, it's so, it just makes it pretty much unwatchable. Even if, you know, the story sort of kind of starts to get better. But for me, sort of kind of getting better in the second half is not enough to keep my heart fully in it. That's just me, though. I mean, also it contradicts what was established in Supergirl when Clark would reference his scary friend in Gotham like he was still operating like a year ago before the show takes place. <laughs> they, make, they make that same reference in the season finale of Batwoman, the kryptonite that Luke destroys. Oh, yes. Yeah is Bruce's kryptonite, or, yeah, Bruce's kryptonite for Superman. Luke destroys that, but then Kate produces kryptonite that she says Kara gave her from behind the picture frame. So I'm, I'm just going to assume that Bruce is hanging out with Clark all the time and then ghosting everybody in Gotham. <laughs> Must be. That's the only thing that makes sense. Because, like, the way Clark talks about Bruce, it's solitude. like they just saw each other. <laughs> Batman's having a barbecue at the Fortress of Solitude. Okay, with Clark. That's gonna be really well. Maybe not. He's got he's got his laser eyes. Maybe were all the references to you know Superman's scary friend in Gotham? Was that before the Infinite Earth crossover where everything condensed? It was before, yeah. Okay, so that. But you still you also even Ollie before everything crossed over and the world's changed was like. Batman's been missing for years. He's a rumor. Well, and before in the Elseworlds crossover, granted, oh. we saw it in the Elseworlds yeah. place. Batwoman is part of Earth One. It's right. Oliver and it's Oliver and Barry's Earth where Batwoman's Gotham City is. So then there's this reference to the scary friend, but Superman that we know is Earth thirty eight. Yeah. I'm just Girl. this whole thing is messed up. Like <laughs> <laughs> And they think we're not paying attention? <laughs> this is definitely not Marvel Studios. Well, especially like in the Arrowverse when they're like, 
in the first couple, they're like, oh, Batman's just a rumor. Green Arrow was first. But then you actually, the show starts out and everybody in Gotham loves Batman and they miss him. And he's very much obviously not a rumor. And it just goes to show you, you can't even blame it on not having, like, even again on the Marvel side of it, they haven't been able to reference and talk about a lot of important aspects, even from from that inception where that started. And they still were able to piece together large puzzles and some of the more obscure puzzle pieces to make that more cohesive. And I know that this is on a smaller scale, it is the CW, but again, we're suspending disbelief, but there is very little detail actually well, Looking in the DCTU at this point is an overarching creative director. Yes. They've got nobody who is kind of looking over the entire picture saying, okay, look, you've got to make these connections. They have to be smart. They have to be, if you're going to connect all of these shows then you actually have to connect them by more than just a crossover once a year. I mean, like, look how many Batman villains the first couple seasons of Arrow used that they could have just brought the actors back. Like the Clock King from the first two oh, yeah, seasons of Arrowverse, who was a really good actor, played him. And he was really cool. Like, I would have liked to see him in Gotham actually being the Clock King. That's I totally <laughs> forgot all about that. There were quite, quite a few Batman, yeah. uh, more obscure yeah. Batman villains on Arrow. And none of them died, so... Yeah. No, but that's what I'm just saying. Like, even my heart already moved on from Arrow just because that didn't land well either. So, I don't know. When this universe started with Arrow, it was definitely someone who knew the universe, who cared about the universe, was trying yeah. to give an accurate representation of the comic books. And I feel like he's gotten his fingers into so many pies inside and outside of the DCTU but it's completely lost any hope of redemption at this point. I mean, I still I still like The Flash, but as far as, and Legends, but as far as the new shows are really struggling, and I'm a little afraid for Superman and Lois, I gotta say. Like, I'm really not even excited for that anymore. Like, seriously, like, if you went into this show wanting Batman mythos, the only thing I can do is tell you to watch the Titans show on HBO Max. I mean, the entire, it's everything you wanted from this show. The entire second season, it has an older Bruce Wayne in it. It has all the Bat family in it. It has the Gotham you want to see. Like, there's this other show currently on that's doing all the things so much better that this show is trying to hook people on, but tricking them. Like, I, I couldn't recommend this show. I would just tell people to watch Titans. It will literally give you everything you want to see. I mean, honestly, I don't think it is tricking anybody. I, w I mean, I was l looking at, even today, as... Well, the new episode of Season 2 just premiered, and there are not a lot of people who are psyched about it. They're, they're just like, we don't even see the point. And, you know, the last season was real rough anyway. So, yeah, like Spencer's saying, it's, it's kind of crazy that it hasn't already been canceled. So Frankly. that is an excellent segue. Whoa. <laughs> so let's talk about it. The recasting. The big, big controversy. <laughs> Nick fainted, apparently, in the Zoom window. It was comical. Is it news to you? It's just so... I don't know what the right thing for them to do would be. I don't know if I would have been happier if they recast Kate Kane. I feel like they have to start completely over because it looks like we're going to have all of K-Kane's family members and those relationships still like 
it, it's nonsensical. The chances of Ruby Rose ever working in television again have got to be extremely slim. Oh, no. I mean, that's like the number one rule. You sign all those clauses and like you're literally anchoring an entire series, a huge budgeted series. They're literally going to say that's that chick that up and left that show. We're yeah. not going to hire you. And she didn't make any money off the show because she broke her contract so hard. She had to give like everything back. The only chance she has is if, like, I don't know, she's minimizing how... It sounds like her injury was bad when it happened, and maybe it's much worse, and there's just some weirdness about how she's talking about it. The fact that she forfeited all the money from her contract and and didn't file a lawsuit for the injury tells me that that's just an excuse. Oh, it's an excuse. There was an article of one of the guys that co-created the show... And apparently no one was happy with her wooden performance, as they called it. They said they were, she was being outshined by supporting cast members. So they were already thinking of getting rid of her. And then apparently she's difficult to work with because she doesn't like the long hours. So at the time she left, they were trying to say, you know, that she she couldn't Which handle the long hours. that's always funny to me, too. Like, if you're... Si- hey, I mean, I'm not an actor, but if you're going to sign up for any sort of, like... Especially the vigilante characters, you're going to be working all night long, dude. Like, I, I don't know what you're thinking. I like, mean, put it this way. Like, when we met Tom Welling and he was talking about Smallville's schedule, he slept on the sets because it's the lead of the show. It was easier than driving two hours back to his house and then having to sleep for three or four hours and then going back. Like, when like you're, you're, you're filming, you're basically living. Like, Stephen Amell said that we, we got to see Stephen Amell and meet him. That's basically what he said. Like, yeah, the schedule is grueling. You don't get to see your family a lot when it's... You're in the middle of filming the season. You live in the tra- your trailer on set for the season. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, when it's you combine the fact shoots. that she was not prepared for those hours and then apparently she's difficult to work with and she wasn't giving the performance they thought she would, it's just recipe for disaster. Well, and I just got to say that as an avid TV watcher, as I think we all can agree, it is a rare, rare situation when a TV show can survive a main character recast. Especially after one season. Especially after only one season. A main character, a title character. Right. It's not like it's an ensemble. The only time I can really think that a show had any kind of longevity after a recast of such a big proportion was Charmed. But that's because it was already an ensemble and they didn't ignore the idea of the Shannon Doherty sister. Spoiler if you haven't seen Charmed. But they, I know, whoa, 20 years later. (laughs) But they did end up making her, spoiler, death, a major part of the storyline for the rest of the show, and that's how that one was able to work. Take another recent example, Two and a Half Men. Now, poor Charlie Sheen, or whatever. But he he was not on the show, and they recast him, or they, they put a different character in there, again, somehow related to the One and a Half Men currently left, and it was played by Ashton Kutcher, but that show lasted, like, one more season, and it died. You can go back through that 70s show. Granted, Long Life, it was in its last season when it happened. Doesn't matter. People don't like it, like you said. Nope. There's so many examples of it. We could just keep going down. The last season of Scrubs. JD, like, nobody wants to watch Scrubs without JD. But then, it's even easier on those shows, though, too, because those plots, and it failed miserably, because those plots weren't completely dependent on one family's drama. Right. They're literally built... Other characters. This show literally built its entire first season on the Kane family dynamic. Everything connects to that. Her stepsister, her dad, like literally every plot point is her and her sister 
Like, it's, Kristen said that when we were talking about... It's a Batman. <laughs> yeah, like, Kristen said that. She was like, I mean, that story's a wash because they... Don't yeah, like, I would have much preferred that they would have just recast... Because that was before I watched it, so I didn't know what she was talking about, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Kristen, what were you huh. saying? I was going to say, why, knowing that they built this whole arc around the Kane family and the dynamic between Alice slash Beth and Kate, why didn't they just recast the character? Then everything could have continued for better or for worse with someone who didn't have such a wooden performance and maybe was easier to work with. You know, having somebody, a brand new character come in and now it's this mystery of like, Kate's gone missing. I haven't watched the premiere yet. I'm, I'm waiting until after we're done with this podcast, but I just, I don't, I don't see how that's going to work. It won't. I mean, it'll be like in Smallville when like they kept hinting at Lex Luthor, even though they couldn't get Michael Rosenbaum back, where like they show him from behind a bald head and all these other <laughs> yeah. awkward workarounds. So it's like they shouldn't even have addressed the Kate Kane's missing mystery because it's like there's no adequate way to it because they're never going to have Ruby Rose back. No, I don't think they would want to have Ruby Rose back. The first episode is called What Happened to Kate Kane? (laughs) (laughs) That's so stupid. So you literally have Luke in Kate's office reading a copy of Variety with that on the front page. <laughs> right, that would be meta and kind of clever, but no, that's not going to happen. These writers can't do that. I mean, just in the first episode, they should have just had Barry run into the past and mess something up, and then Kate Kane just looks differently because Barry messed something up again. Right? Fun point! <laughs> and if you thought Kate Kane deciding to be Batwoman was quick... This new character is just just shows up what? and steals the suit. Yeah. <laughs> a suit and no training. And- yeah, it's, I mean, from what I've read, she's like living in her van, probably down by the river. <laughs> you know, she stumbled across the, the plane crash that Kate was. R.I.P. Chris Farley. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she finds the bag with the Batwoman suit in it. After a plane crashes, and that's what starts the whole book. Where's Kate? Is that really the best? Is that seriously the best? Apparently, just owning, a, just owning a bat suit is qualification enough to okay, fight crime in what, Gotham. What, Spencer, what did you say? This is Zoom. You can't talk all over each other. <laughs> Spencer. The new Batwoman is literally a hobo that finds the bat suit. Yes, yes. What the absolute bleep. can you imagine if like christopher nolan did that in the third batman movie like just some homeless person finds batman's suit and that's how it goes i couldn't (laughs) be like i mean i know that they will have a difficult problem but a hobo finding the bat suit and it's going to be a hobo that magically knows every form of martial arts and and, you know is the exact same body size and shape as kk i mean dear lord I'm just, like, I just went on this, my rant about in The Flash, because even The Flash has started to waver, in my opinion, from what it once was. I mean, Kyle, after we did The Flash podcast, we went back and started to rewatch season one, and we're like, holy crap, this isn't even the same show. When you're, but again, Batman's universe and The Flash's universe are so rich with characters and stories and and so many things you can draw from. There is absolutely no excuse in my mind. There's no excuse. You can pick the more obscure things and build things on. There is no excuse for this quality of television that I am being asked to watch for this yeah. podcast. I mean, even if they had the top like 10 or 12 Batman villains listed as off limits. you could There's still up, a crap ton more. There's literally like 70 years ton. of characters 
even ones with like two comic book arcs, which by the way is more arcs than like the villains in Black Lightning have. There's three digits worth of Batman villains. Like Yeah, I mean there's so many Batman villains that are on the table and this is And what like we're her sister, like her sister is such that actress is like so ridiculous. I'm sorry. Maybe you're a nice lady too. What's her sister's name again? Beth is the character Alice or Rachel Scarston is who plays her. Rachel Scarston, I believe, was in Birds I know, of Prey. And I know we kinda of talked about her, but like yeah. seriously in the first few episodes she's literally like the girl version of, like, the twirling the mustache thing. Like, yeah, in the first couple of episodes, she was absolutely terrible. I did find her better by the end of the season, but now you're presented with the problem with Kate dying or right. disappearing or whatever. Where is the investment for the new Batwoman with the rest of the universe or the rest of the what's been left behind? There's no conflict for the new Batwoman to take up. She doesn't... Why would she care? That's my question. Why would she care? Yeah, I guess I guess we'll find out if, you know, if Alice even notices that it's a different... <laughs> like, seriously, she's probably just going to care just because, I mean, that's their, that's their CD anyway. That's their character development anyway. Like, oh, Kate has disappeared, so I guess it's my turn. It, well, it, almost, it does almost sound like they're making Alice a, like, a co-lead. Like, what? from what I read of here's the general arc of this first episode, it sounds like she has going to have this whole storyline in addition to what happened to Kate. What? There's also something else on her end, too, where it's going to be no. split screen time. No bueno. See, mm -hmm. I, I don't... Stubborn writers, though, to not just jettison what's not going to work. Like, if you're going to start with a new Batwoman, give her a whole new conflict and why she's doing it, and... Ugh. But also, no, like, why... We're going to watch it. Why did they create this brand new character of Ryan Wilder, who has no... I mean, I'm not a comic book reader, so there's she that. She doesn't exist in the comics. So, yeah, she doesn't exist. So why didn't they bring in an already established Batgirl or Batwoman? Like, I would have loved to see Barbara Gordon come in or... This has been my number one complaint the entire time we've yeah. had Batwoman. Even if you're going to use your <laughs> Batwoman, there's Cassandra Kane. There's there's other ones. There's not just Barbara Gordon. There's a whole bunch of chicks. Like there's a whole bunch of yeah. I'm just saying. You know, I mean, at the very least, this was me and Kyle saying from the beginning that them even choosing to do Kate Kane is just it's yeah. It, well, it's just lame. They're just like again. They just are assuming that people are just gonna enjoy it. I think because of references. But like another thing they could have done. We've already been introduced to Julia Pennyworth. Like, why didn't they just promote her to series regular, have her take up the mantle? At least it's someone that we've met who's somewhat involved with the family. She's a spy. She has training. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from a writer's point of view, that makes a million times more sense than a hobo finding a suit. <laughs> that's, yep. Okay, that's the hashtag for the episode. Hobo <laughs> finds a suit. <laughs> well, in her backstory is she was imprisoned for a crime she didn't commit. But it's like, wouldn't that just make her hate cops and lawyers? Like, is she going to Batman cops and lawyers? Well, I, I mean, like, Kristen, is, the bottom line is, is she's even saying that I'm not even knowledgeable about it, but I can at least come up with some basic... Yeah, something that makes sense. storylines that makes sense, even without the knowledge of this universe like you guys have. In other movies, that's where I get my Batman knowledge from. I just <laughs> wanted to interject. That's more than these writers have. Apparently they've never even heard of Batman. They're just throwing darts at a board. I just wanted to interject that I didn't mind Rachel Scarston. I I'm with Spencer. She started off poorly. She Agreed. got better. But that's, again, 
she got better around the dynamic of the sisters. Not she had nuance and depth as opposed to being some random psycho who was I just already to, sorry. Who was just it trying was to hard, the It was hard for me to end up caring at that point. So we'll go through some of the million dollar questions. Do you think Batwoman will survive after season two? No. no. I think the whole DC or the CW universe is on a downward slide. I mean, they just announced that the crossover with Batwoman is canceled. So if that's the first thing canceled, the next thing canceled is Batwoman itself. But to be fair, to be fair, with the crossovers this year, with all the COVID filming restrictions, if someone is on a different set and gets exposed to COVID, that could shut down two shows and further delay production. I think that's an excuse, though. I just don't think they want to put the money into it. I just think they're moving towards... Yeah, I there I, there is that. I do think that there's probably some paperwork in there that means that they can have these shows a certain amount of time. But I do believe as... I, I mean, there a lot of the DC property is moving towards HBO, and we've already talked about that. And they probably, like I said, there's some paperwork out there saying CW can do these characters for a certain amount of time but then ultimately they won't be able to kind of like netflix with those marvel characters because they're going to be moving on to greener pastures but frankly at this point i really want them to in this scenario please let them move on to greener pastures because they're just not being serviced the way that they should be this universe is collapsing upon itself and I have been watching it from its inception i have been watched i have been what me and kyle have been watching these shows since the very first Arrow episode that aired on TV in real time. And I am saying it is time for it to move on. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's not its not what it used to be. Not even close. I think it's going that way, too. I mean, I basically have been saying that in this round every episode we've done. But I would say, in addition to as far as that crossover, I mean... It might be that they're just canceling it because of the predetermined expectation that Batwoman will go down. I also don't think, I think the crossover they had planned was Kate Kane's crossover with Kara. So why the hell would What's-Her-Name, who's now Batwoman, crossover and, and go Stop to National with, with Superman and Lois. That too, though. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I don't think they have faith in that Superman and Lois show with all the behind-the-scenes drama. And so I think they're like, okay, these are two shows that are, like, going to crash and burn, and we're planning to do this expensive crossover on these two shows we don't have faith in. What's the point? How could you have faith in a Superman show that really has very little to do with Superman? I'm, I'm yeah. hearing okay, what they're doing, no, I'm extremely yeah. disappointed in any chance of it being good. Yeah. That's like doing a Batman show without Batman. Well, he's in it. Okay. <laughs> Superman it's, it's, yeah, is in it. it. The whole premise is completely separated from... What makes it's exactly like Black Lightning's premise. Yeah, it's like if you mix Black it's Lightning sons instead of daughters. If you mix Black Lightning with Dawson's Creek, that's what the Superman show is. Don't knock Dawson's Creek. That I'm not knocking it. I'm calling this a knockoff <laughs> of Dawson's Creek. I'm saying Dawson's Creek is the higher quality version of what we're going to get. Can I take us back one second? Sure. If Kate Kane has gone missing, and that's what the writers chose instead of killing her off or recasting, why the heck aren't her super friends looking for her? Like... Like Supergirl and the Flash just don't care? Yeah, why are they dicks all of a sudden? I have no uh, answer to this question. Well, I guess we'll just have to grudge watch and see. Grudge watch indeed. Where is Spencer? It's like his Gotham backdrop is there, but he's not there. Batman Gotham. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! If 
shit all of a sudden. <laughs> oh. Okay, so this show, we'll do the, the normal questions that come with a first look. You've already talked about how Batwoman compares to pretty much all the other shows, superhero, DC, everything. The show was created by Caroline Drees. This is her first creator credit. She has basically written for the CW, Smallville, Arrow, the new Melrose Place, not the old one, and The Vampire Diaries. Those are all CW shows. Would you watch anything else she creates? Kristen will say no. I'm saying no just because of how poor some of their choices are. Fair yeah. enough. Thank you for answering the question. <laughs> I would say just watch Smallville and not... Wait, what was the other one she did? Smallville. Oh, she did Arrow for a bit? Yeah, yeah just watch Smallville. Was she, was she creative? On the others, or was she just a staff writer? She was a staff writer for all of those shows. After this mess, she should not be allowed to have complete creative control over anything ever again in her life. I agree. <laughs> That's what I agree. So much so she is these children. Yeah. Not by her. This is not. No, this is not a good TV. She didn't, and it may not be entirely her <laughs> fault because of the the not having the showrunner. The sort of the Kevin Feige equivalent of the CW's DC shows, but even apart from that, it's it was just a mess in the pilot. I'm super surprised, and I think I think they only ordered it to series because they were trying to fill out some stuff, not actually giving much regard for how the how quality the pilot was. Yeah, the pilot it's something was that the show got ordered based on the pilot. Yeah. It, I, I don't even understand that. There there are better... Black Lightning's pilot was better than this one. I'm sorry. That's how I feel. No, I don't, I agree don't with like you. it. <laughs> but I just feel this pilot was lousy. So I know the answer to are you going to keep watching. The answer is yes because you're forcing me to. Okay. The next question is you have to answer this just because we're showing our responsibility toward loyal viewers. And Kyle already hinted at it earlier. Would you recommend Batwoman to others? Why or why not? It's the why not I'm looking for. <laughs> I would recommend it to the prison system for torture usage. Wow. that's Is that worse than a dumpster fire? <laughs> yeah. The thing is, is I'm only going to recommend shows like these to my actual nerdy friends because I know my non-nerdy friends are probably not going to tune in to an obscure Batman character anyway. So... I can't recommend this to my nerdy friends who are already into this stuff. Like, honestly, if, like, you guys weren't a part of this group and you said, hey, are you watching Batwoman? Should I watch it? I'd be like, nah, probably not. Like I said earlier, if you're the, the target audience of this, just watch Titans. You get to see Jorah Mormont as a very scary Batman, and it's awesome. Oh, yeah. And not to mention you get the whole Bat family without any of these restrictions or weird family plots. So I can't recommend this at all when there's already a much better Gotham show. I'm also going to say no. What? <laughs> just, I know, right? Just because the first half of the first season is so bad. My brother-in-law was kind of watching it along with me in not really real time, but on like a couple delayed days basis. And he stopped watching it pretty early on. And once it got better, I tried to like say, hey, like you might like it now. And he's like, no. Like, I could not convince him to pick it back up because the first part was so bad. So I am trusting my awesome brother-in-law, Shannon, and I'm saying, no, I do not recommend it. Shout out to Shannon, the winner of our Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover prize. He's, I think he's this panel's biggest fan. So. Woohoo! We love yeah. you, Shannon. <laughs> Nick? 
maybe if season two is amazing somehow and this all makes sense, <laughs> I could. But at, in this moment, I can't tell anyone to watch any, any of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I like how Nick tries to be so positive and then just gives up. <laughs> I don't recommend it either. I take the Batman... Batverse, Bat Family, very seriously. It's my favorite one, other than Superman. Other people feel the same way. It may be real cliche, and I don't care. And this just doesn't. It doesn't scratch that itch for me at all. It's it's too too much of a mess. And I want I want to I always want to believe, but this one didn't earn <laughs> it. This, no, she's not a fox Mulder. I am more of a Mulder than you give me credit for. <laughs> I like to think I'm in the middle, but he, either way, here, it's just, it's it's not, the fact of the matter is Batwoman took a, a bell curves progression in terms of how it went, started off poorly, got better in the middle, but I would argue it didn't sustain that by the end. Maybe if Kate and Ruby Rose were still there, we could say, oh, there's a bit of a positive trajectory, but she's not, and we know that now. And so at this point, we are literally starting from zero and having to rebuild, and we're at the bottom of the curve again. So it's we're, we're watching it because it's part of our universe, and we're covering this universe, and that's what we do. But I would be really surprised if this show garnered any kind of good rating. And I'm going to be watching it over the course of the next few weeks to see what the demos come in at, because I'd be, I'd be shocked if this was better than last season. And if it is, I'd want to know why. I'd be intrigued and curious to see what possibly they could have done to turn it around. Because I didn't even know that it aired last night until you guys said something at the beginning of this. I didn't know either, except for I follow a bunch of comic book-related news sites, and they said it. I follow the TV stuff because I do, and a lot of them said... The premiere answered, what happened to Kate Kane? Which I didn't realize was the episode title until it was said by Nick. (laughs) I just did a quick Google search on the initial rating since we're about 24 hours out from when it premiered. It dropped 80% in viewers. Oh, goodbye. Cancel. Yep. A .1 rating. Only 663,000 viewers tuned in. That's worse than Black Lightning, by the way. Yeah, they're done. You have to realize that people aren't really watching TV right now. Everyone's dining out. They're going to movies. (laughs) 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 Nobody's staying home and quiet. Oh my gosh, Nick, that was great. <laughs> you that was more, darkly more sarcastic. Reviving Ben Franklin or Abe Lincoln than this show. What? What did you just say? I said there's more chance of reviving Ben Franklin or Abe Lincoln than this show. Yep, that's very historically minded metaphors. That <laughs> <laughs> is so funny. Wow. Well, alrighty. Batwoman's not long for the future. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I don't think they'll yank it mid-season because it's in a sec. It's a second season, so they're probably going to let them air the full season, such as it is. But that's they, not that's not they good. Could find the COVID protocol reason for cancellation. They could. I'd still be shocked if it was a mid. I mean, I think they'll give them the full season, but that'll be it. I think CW's hurting to to keep their schedule full. Yeah, amongst all the COVID stuff, so and they have big ensembles. 
Penn and Teller's Fool Us is on CW and they did a season with the COVID protocols and they said, do you want to do another one right now? So they're, they're doing twice the number of episodes for them. Well, they're losing other shows too. I mean, again, Supernatural. And I mean, that's what their flagship show at this juncture and that just ended. So I was just saying, I don't think they're picking up any of these backdoor pilots that they were hoping from both Supernatural and the, the no, Arrowverse. Sup- Supernatural's franchise is done. It's done for now. They might revive it later, but it's done for now. And uh, I don't, I don't think they're back the or piloting. They're just they're yeah. The Green Arrow and the Canaries was not picked up, and I do not think that any other backdoor pilots. Good. Nope. Stop beating dead horses. Jeez. And then Bart Pedowit, Ped, ah, the head of the CW, said they would have picked up Swamp Thing because they had such strong numbers, but they don't have the budget to rebuild the swamps. The set, the sets, and everything like is a very expensive set, and now the CW doesn't have the budgets for that kind of show. Oh, I wish they did. Yeah, me too. But I'm still hopeful for HBO Max. Did you? Oh wait, Kristen, did you watch it? Jack and I watched the whole thing, and we really oh, it. I mean, oh, we also made fun of it because of how they we kept watching it on CW. They had to cut it for time, but one of the things that we were really making fun of was how they overtly like bleeped out the bad language, like. A huge, like, fuzzy bar over the person's mm-hmm. mouth. It was bad. So I mean, it's a very R-rated show. I'm amazed they even get it in any form to air on the CW anyway. But we, we really liked it, and I would have loved to see a season two. It was, like, just just getting really I know. Cool. The last episode with Alec talking to Swamp <laughs> Thing. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, Spoilers, oh. but loved it. Yes. Okay, Oops. I, I okay it. anyways, Batwoman's bad. The end. Yeah, we hate it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> And good luck, Ruby Rose, because you're going to have a hard career. Yeah, not a good career move for her. Well, the problem is, like, she came out strong on Orange is the New Black, and everyone thought she was just going to be amazing in everything she was in. And they banked so hard on her, and they banked poorly. I mean, she was good in Orange, but that was only for, like, half a season that she was on. (laughs) It wasn't very intensive work for her. Mm -mm. And that was all daylight work. We can verify that. Yeah, no night shoots. Nope. She'll, she'll be an Instagram influencer, and that's it. I mean, put it this way, too. Like, apparently, because she was in that oh, really... people still have to want to watch you for that, too. She like, was yeah. in that really bad giant shark movie, The Meg. And apparently yeah. she was so bad in that movie, they edited almost... All, she's only in the background, because they edited her character almost completely out of the movie, because apparently she was terrible. I was going to say, you saw that movie. I did Eric. see that movie, and she's just in the background. Like, I completely forgot she was in it. They literally took her character out. I've never heard of that movie, but she does have a modeling contract. You're not going to watch that. You're right. You are right. There is a it's, series it's of modeling Jason contracts Jason that she has. It's a shark in a fist fight. Mm-hmm. And it's better than Batwoman. Yes. I was just going to say, she probably will still be a model. Even because she had modeling contracts prior to TV. But that's it. She has something to fall back on, so she right. won't be broke. Good for her. She better not pull back. She hurt her back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before this devolves into the anti-Ruby Rosathon, what I'd like to say and ask you, is there anything else that you haven't already said or any closing metaphors and similes you'd like to lob related to Batwoman Season 1 or the scary Batwoman Season 2? No, wrap it up. I want to go watch last night's episode of The Rookie. That's a oh, odd his priorities and his priorities are Nathan Fillion. Uh-huh. That should always be a priority. I, girl, I'm with you. 
Captain Mal. Well, <laughs> there is nothing else to say about Batwoman Season 1, and apparently more to say about The Rookie. What I'd like to do is thank <laughs> Hillary and Kyle and Nick and Kristen and Spencer for joining me to talk about Batwoman Season 1, such as it was. And because we talked about the first season of Batwoman, it's time to roll those credits. Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation Point! was produced by Back Pocket Productions, run by yours truly, the Chief Couch Potato, which is really another way of saying executively produced by me, Kylie Piet. My associate producers are Krista Pennington and Celine Resmer. I edit this podcast, and our logo is by Rebecca Wallace. Our marketing graphic artist is Krista. Our theme song was written by Sarah Milbratz and sung by Sarah, Amy McDaniel, and Kels Resmer. Kels played the keyboard, Ian McDonough played the bass, Christian Somerville played the guitar, and the whole shebang was engineered by Kyle Aspinall and Christian. We hail from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Please, if you like what you hear, take the time to rate us, give us stars, provide comments, or review us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and Amazon are just a few of the places you can find us, but we're also on YouTube. We have our website. Otherwise, feel free to tell us how we're doing, what we should add, subtract, keep, or toss. You know how it goes. And if you have suggestions for shows we might consider, contact us at our website where we have a guest book by email at couchpotatoesunitepodcast at gmail.com, our Facebook, our Twitter at CPU Podcast, our Instagram at couchpotatoesunite, or wherever you get your podcasts. Though, of course, we add new and old shows to chat about around the water cooler all the time and always have new episodes coming down the pipe. Just listen to our intros. If you miss old episodes or want to know in general what shows we cover, just search for us. Find us wherever you do searchable things on the internet. Don't forget that exclamation point. Or contact us via our website, our email, our social media accounts, and stay up on all the new events and episodes by our humble little podcast, Couch Potatoes Unite! Exclamation point. Until the next time, Batwoman is available in its entirety only on HBO Max, an interesting new direction for Warner Media that no doubt prognosticates upon the future of streaming Warner Brothers properties, a future, by the way, that does not include Netflix, but that's a different talk for another time. In the meantime, our DCTU panel will next reconvene very shortly, in fact, to discuss Season 5, the now penultimate season of Supergirl. So until next time, until the next episode, new episodes are published every Wednesday. Keep listening. Keep watching. Stay tuned. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.